You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Just meditations here and there from some of the things we learned on Sunday and moving forward. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. It's very important. He said the Christian must understand that our God is a covenant-keeping God. And when you hear covenant, it means structure. You know, I read recently somebody was making a comment concerning the song... um, Reckless love. And he said that song should not be sung by Christians. And I agree. Because God can never be reckless. Okay? If you check the meaning of reckless, God can never be reckless. There is nothing he does that is reckless. Okay? God is intentional. Okay? So the same way, when you hear covenant, God is a covenant-keeping God. He knows what he's doing. He has said this is what he will do. And he has told you this is how you can walk with me. Praise the Lord. So I began to see and, you know, to think on how stable God is, how intentional God is. Because, you see, I've done business with someone and, you know, I had expectations that this is what is going to happen. I'm bringing money. We're doing this business. When the business starts making profit, you'll bring the money, you know, and then I'll give you your own or we share or whatever. That was my expectation. But there was no contract. So when I spent the money, he took the money and left. And when people asked me, but where is the contract? There was no contract. I just expected that, ah, this person knows I'm the one bringing all the money. You understand? God ties himself to a covenant. He says, this is what I will do, and this is what you are to do. And based on that, that's how come we can pray. That's how come we can kneel down and ask, this is what you promised us. Praise the Lord. And the beautiful part of it is that in Christ now, he has made it easy because when we now go to God, we don't even go because on our own part, we may have missed it here and there. But now when we go, we go washed in the blood of the Lamb and we stand in the righteousness of Christ and we go to him based on that new covenant that is established through the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So we can know that this God means what he says and he will do what he has said to do. Praise God. It gives you a sense that This thing is not something you're just doing to occupy yourself. There's progress and that there's an end to it. Praise the Lord. So God is a covenant-keeping God. And when you hear covenant also, it tells of two sides. Like I think it was last Wednesday we were talking here. And I was saying that it's important we know that God on his side is not shaking. His promises are yea and amen. On the side of God, there is no shadow of turning. God is faithful. Having established God's faithfulness, my border should be with myself. Praise the Lord. That I'm positioned to experience the faithfulness of God. Because God will never fail. God can never fail. He says even when we are faithless, what happens? God abides faithful. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we saw that. And then another thing he said, you know, quickly, is that he made a statement which is in the scriptures. Deuteronomy 10, let's read it so we, we capture it very well. Deuteronomy 10, you can read it from 16 and 17. It's something that I want us to take note of. Because the knowledge of God is eternal life. 
the more we know God, the better quality of life we live. The more we know him, the more peace. He says that you may be filled with all joy and peace in believing. Okay? Okay, let's read from 12. He says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also, the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is this day. It says, therefore, notice now, based on the position of God, okay, God is higher. His controls, he's big, he's mighty, he's awesome. It says, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Look at 79. It says, for the Lord our God is God of what? And Lord of what? The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Praise the Lord. Let's read that personally now. The Lord my God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. This is the God we have to deal with. He is the God over all gods, which means the final outcome of every event is determined by him. Praise the Lord. Nobody can restrain him. Nobody can trick him. Nobody can bribe him. Nobody can make him, you know, to be partial. He's God Almighty. And this ties in when we begin to love righteousness. Because God, his throne, is established in righteousness. So if you don't love righteousness, you cannot have God on your side. Praise the Lord. So it says, this is who our God is. He's God of gods. He's Lord of lords. He's the great God. He's mighty, he's awesome, he shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He's a God you can know how to deal with. Praise the Lord. He's a God that you can progressively grow in the knowledge of him and begin to know him more and more and more. Praise God. Another important thing he raised, you know, which is also good for us to remember, is that God is obliged to chastise us. And when I was thinking about that, you know, what came to my mind is, is um, um, you have a white handkerchief and then it drops on the floor. It's your handkerchief. Do you continue and, and step on it and go on? What do you do? When you pick it up, do you just put it in your pocket? What do you do? You make sure you shake off. That's what God does with us. You see, if we're a piece of rag and we are in a mess and we are messing up, he will just ignore us and step on us just like you do with anything you see. But if something is precious to you and you have washed it, what do you do? When you pick it up, you make sure you take off all that junk. It's the same thing with us and God. When you become a child of God, you have been washed in the blood. So if you play with things you shouldn't play with, God is obliged to dust it off of you. Praise the Lord. He will not be normal if he doesn't dust it off of you. Okay? So he's obliged to chastise us. And he says he does that until we self-correct. I pick until you don't need anybody to tell you. Praise the Lord. You want to live a smooth life. 
Ah, self-correct. Either in the morning or in the afternoon or in the night, you begin to check, God, did I say that well? Did I respond well there? How did I respond there? How did I respond? If there's anything, Lord, please forgive me. Give me grace. Ah, I was foolish there. I, I spoke carelessly. You know, you begin to self-correct. So God sees that there is no need. How many of us have words in the house and children in the house? When they do things that are wrong, you want to scold. But you can see the person has already learned the lesson. What are you scolding for again? But when you see the person and the person is still talking uh, uh, Sunday, yesterday, today, tomorrow. That's when you get angry because you want to beat sense. You want to chastise sense into the person to realize what he or she did was wrong. But if the person already acknowledges that it's wrong and is saying, I'm going to make amends, your chastisement is not necessary. Praise the Lord. So that is what, you know, part of what we learned. So he does that so that we can be partakers of his holiness. He has a relationship with us. He won't leave us alone. He has begun a good work in us and he wants to finish it. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, we read from John 15. Let's go to John 15 and and pick a few things there. In John 15, verse 1 uh, down to 4 and 5, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. 4 and 5 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Praise the Lord. You know what our Lord Jesus Christ was saying to us here and to the disciples, you know, first of all, is that this relationship we had said god is a covenant keeping god and when you talk covenant there are actually two sides or at least two sides you can't make a covenant with yourself there has to be parties to a covenant okay but when you come to the new testament something begins to change which i may not be able to explain fully but in the new covenant it's as though god makes this covenant with jesus okay and how you and i get into it is that we and Jesus become one. Praise the Lord. You know, there is the old covenant. Okay? And under the old covenant, you know what it says? These are the commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Okay? Under the new covenant, there is something that is completely different. And that's what our Lord Jesus tries to teach us all most of the things he said. Last Sunday, the Sunday before, we said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have what? No life. He said, this blood is the new covenant in my blood. What else did he tell them to do? He only was saying to them, become a part of me and let me become a part of you. That's what he was saying. And to explain that to us, if we now go back in the scriptures, we'll see what, you know, the people in the Old Testament were told. Come with me to Ezekiel 11. Or let's do Jeremiah 31 first. Jeremiah 31 verse 31 to 34, please. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. He said, but this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. 
I will put my law, where? In their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be 34. It says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother say, what? Know the Lord. Why? It says, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. It says, no more shall any man teach his neighbor. What is going to make it that I wouldn't need to teach you? What is going to make it that I wouldn't need to teach you is that it becomes your nature. It becomes my nature. That's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it's encouragement to do it. You see, when you come to church and the pastor has to sweat to make you not to sin, you have not entered this covenant or to do righteousness. You have not, when you enter this covenant, it's already in your nature. How many of us, you wouldn't know now if you sucked your mother's breast, right? But who taught you that? Is there anybody that was taught that? But it was in the nature. So once the baby's head comes around that direction, it's just like magnet, bam. That's the way it is. Under the new covenant now, it says, I will put my laws in their minds and I'll put it in their hearts. So it's already there, just waiting for an avenue. So we gather as church to create a nursery, a garden where we produce righteousness. Where we're encouraged, where you come to realize, ah, it's not only me, it's not only me, it's not only me. This thing is happening everywhere. You don't come here for us to beat you into submission. No. That is for those who are outside of the covenant. But once you're in the covenant, it becomes an internal mechanism in you. Waiting for encouragement, waiting for, you know, the environment that strengthens you and challenges you. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20 as well. It says, then I'll give them one heart. And I'll put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. It says that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people and I'll be their God. Now, you know, one of the things that confuse people a lot is they imagine that under the new covenant that God does away with the standards. That's a lie and the deception from the devil. The standards of God under the new covenant are not less, but the way of God is different. Praise the Lord. Now, a few of us here, okay, uh, traveled outside the country when we were in our 20s, some of us, you know, in our 40s and all of that. And when somebody maybe goes and does one-year program or four-year program, now when they come, they change their voice and they start speaking for them, right? But a child that is born there and goes to nursery school and primary school there, even if you beat the child, you can't beat the phone out. Why? Because it's ingrained. Do you understand? That's the way he learns. Some of us, you learn it, boti, boti, boti. Then you're not changing it. The thing is difficult. Sometimes when you're angry, you forget which side you're on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, under the old covenant, we were to obey God. But it was coming from our outside. Do you understand? So the laws of God, the moral laws of God never change. Understand that. You know, that's one area that confuses a lot of people. They say, you know, our new covenant, our, you know, uh, in Christ, this, that, that. No, the standards of God, what God expected Moses, what God expected the children of Israel to do morally, not ceremonially. Okay, ceremonial laws are the ones that you have to wash your clothes and all of that. No. But morally, is the same under the old. 
But in the old, they told them, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, okay? So you really want to do, but thou shalt not is what you're struggling with. That's why you can look left and right like that, say, if you don't see anybody, you do and you escape. But under the new covenant, okay, God still expects you will not. But instead of saying thou shalt not, he puts a heart in you that doesn't want. Is somebody getting in? That's the new covenant. So in the new covenant, his spirit, that's why he said to the disciples, do not go anywhere, tarry until you are endued with power, until the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the seal. That's why he is the seal of the salvation, because when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you are now like, you know, if I can use that word, like a masquerade, and God is wearing you. So for you to disobey God, you have to fight. That's why when you as a Christian disobey God, you lose your peace. Because they have fought with you. Praise the Lord. They have resisted you. You have struggled against you. Now, why is that very important? Because, you see, we must, as believers, get to the root of where this whole thing starts from. And where I think it starts from is where you and I believe God. Praise the Lord. Where we believe God. Not we want God. Not we need God. Not we... um, no God is powerful, no. Where you believe God, you know, it's a fine thing that I trust the Holy Spirit will just, you know, impress upon us so we understand the point. Belief God is like a sanction that brings you into. In Genesis 15 verse 6, the Bible made a statement there the first time you made, talked about righteousness. It says, and Abraham believed in the Lord. And what happened? It was accounted to him for righteousness. If you think and if you question Sometimes you should have questioned, ah, he just believed. And then they say he's righteous. Do you understand? How can he be now? Brother, you know, right, I just believe in you and then you credit me with righteousness. But when you begin to understand what it means to believe, you know what it means? If I believe in you, eh, and you tell me sit here till next week, Wednesday, don't go anywhere, what will I do? What standard of righteousness can be that? I get you now. So we realize that that process, that journey of believing, we can do better. Let me use that word. We can do better. And you know the scriptures just are so powerful. In John, we're told he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become, some translations will say, as many as believed in him. So you see the same believing. In Abraham, believing was credited as righteousness. In John, when we're told, believed in him, they received power. So there is something about a man believing in God. Not believing that God is there. Believing in God. It means, God, you are my interpreter. Like we prayed at the crossover. Let me see life in your light. Let me translate events in my life in your light. Become my, you see, I don't know how else to put it. Believing in somebody. Is a game changer. And my prayer is that in 2023, you and I will believe in the Lord. We will believe in him the way it is implied here. Because it says, and Abraham believed in the Lord. And we could see as his life showed further, the other time they talked about Abraham's faith was when he obeyed God and took his son Isaac to Gan, you know, sacrifice him. That was a demonstration. Because after that statement, you know, God never tested him. After Abraham believed in the Lord, he was accounted to him for righteousness. They continued on their relationship. 
when the test came for this believing was when God said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am, Lord. And God said to him, now Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go and sacrifice him on a mountain that I'm going to show you. Now Abraham, the Bible said, got up early the next morning, early, not in the afternoon, and took Isaac and began to look for the mountain that God told him about. How many of us have known people that they did that 419 that they tell, when they finish it, then they say, count six pools, your billions will be there. Do you know anybody that have done such? You will never experience it in Jesus' name. God said to Abraham, 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 Abraham said, yes, Lord, what is it? He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go and sacrifice it. Abraham woke up in the morning, took Isaac and just started going. Packed everything. Isaac said, daddy, this is the firewood, this is the knife. Where is the lamb? He said, God will provide. That is belief. God will provide for himself a lamb. Why? Because in Genesis 15, Abraham had what? Believed in the Lord. You see, it gives you a power. It gives you a connection to divine things. It brings you into a place where, I don't know how to put it in words, but it's so essential, even concerning Nigeria, because why Nigeria, why we have to say a lot of things that we're saying concerning our nation, Nigeria, is that many Christians in Nigeria don't believe in the Lord. They believe in money. Praise the Lord. And the proof of their belief in money is very simple. What the world says, what those who don't know God say is what they're saying. Because they know what money can do. You see, when you believe in the Lord, you know what God can do. When you believe in money, you know what money can do. When you believe in structure, you know what structure can do. Whoever you believe, you know the capacity, you put faith in it. When you listen to somebody, you can know what the person believes. You can listen to somebody, I know this person believes in connection. Whatever he mentions, say, I think I know somebody there. You say something again, say, ah, um, uh, the man is from Kanuri, my cousin is Kanuri. That's what he believes. But when you speak to somebody who believes God, when you say, say, God can do it. Two different dimensions of living. But the thing that happens is that whatever you believe has its constraints and its liberties. When a man believes God, the scripture that says, with God, all things are what? You find a man living in the atmosphere of possibility. That's why you must believe in God. When you believe in God, you know that time is nothing to God. When you say a man that believes in God, he doesn't make haste. You know why? God's time is not running. By the grace of God, in a few weeks, we'll be done with Baba Buhari. Do you understand? We'll be done with him. Expired. But God does not expire. If you feared him and disobeyed God, you still have God to deal with. Do you understand? When you believe in God, you understand that times and seasons are in his hands. He changes times and seasons. Okay? So, for this year and for the things we are learning, it's important the child of God must pray and ask for God to baptize him with a faith, with a believing God. That will stand him as righteous. That will give him peace. That will give him power. He said to them that believe on the Lord. He gave them power to become sons of God. So it's not just son of God that you know. Somebody's telling you a son of God. You know that you're a son of God. Praise the Lord. They say ah, this thing will happen. He said no it won't happen. They say why? He said I say it. Why? Because you believed in the Lord. And he has given you power to become a son of God. And on that, based on that revelation. You're making statements. Like that will say, you're making decrees. You're standing on what you know as a flow from who you believe. Praise the Lord. 
So the new covenant is a covenant that translates, you know, that changes the standing of people. God is now in you, abide in me and I in you. Where is the connection between the branch and the vine? Where does the vine start? Is there any separation? One is in the other, the other is in the other one. That's what Jesus is saying. Abide in me and I in you. Under this new covenant, we are in him, he's in us. Okay? So you look at me, yes, I am Ikenna, but you see, Ikenna is not just Ikenna. I have been crucified with Christ. Praise the Lord. Nevertheless, what? I live, yet not I. So who is it now? Who am I talking to? That's why the Apostle Paul took time with to encourage the people not to be in the flesh. You see, when the Christian is in the flesh, is when he quenches his spirit man and allows the natural man to dominate. But if you're operating at the right battery level, you're operating in the spirit, in which case when people interact with you, it's your body, but it's the spirit of Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, how does that play out? Let me tell you how that plays out in simple language. So we're going to get, you know, in case you didn't get all, all this that we're seeing. Come with me to uh, Numbers 25. It's an account we are very familiar with. And I'll read from verse 6. It says, And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Ten. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel. Notice, he said, because he was zealous with my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement for the children of Israel. I want to pick something from here that I believe by the Holy Spirit will help us understand what we're learning. You see, when I abide in Christ and Christ abides in me, there is something that you can use to know, gauge who is actually in, who is in control of this life. And that's what we find in Phinehas. Please, you can give us any of these translations. We'll look at all of them. Amplified, uh, easy to read version, the Living Bible and Message, the verse 11 of it. You're going to see something there. Which one do we have first? Easy to read version. Okay, verse 11, please. Let's see what happens there. The New King James that we read says, Because he was zealous with my zeal among them. Okay? You see, you and I, before we got born again, before we got into this new covenant, we had our passions. Okay? So... There are some people that you argue about politics, you never see them passionate. But argue about designer. This one is better than this one. Designer clothes. This perfume you're wearing, they say is this one, they say it's not this. You shout, you know me. Okay? There are some that is soccer. There are some is movie star. He said, ah, that movie star, that's the Jack O'Keke. He said, no, it's not Jack O'Keke. It's okay. He said, no, it's he said, I'm telling you. 
passionate about different things. Okay. But when you become a Christian, watch it. How you know that this believing has happened is that you're no longer passionate about anything except what your God is passionate about. Are you with me? That's what drives your passion again. You know what? Simple. He's the engine. You're now a body. Are you with me? He has become the engine. He says, I will put my laws where? In their minds and in their hearts. So that's why somebody can slap you and you won't respond. You know why? Because the person that slapped you, your God is not angry with him. What was the response that um, Stephen gave to those who were stoning him? He said what? If someone is stoning you, what should be your response? But the father doesn't want them to be dealt with. The father wants them to be saved. So Stephen could not speak passionately against them. Why? Because what was inside of Stephen was the new covenant. So when he looked at them as a human being, he saw enemies. But as somebody that God was wearing, he said, mercy. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, so this is what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned my wrath away from the Israelites. In that he was what? Jealous with what? With my jealousy. He was jealous with my jealousy. He wasn't jealous with his jealousy. This is how you know Christians. When their passion and their jealousy is what God is jealous about. That's all. Not with growth. Not with prosperity. Not with anything else. Just the jealousy of God. When you see him, you know, enraged, God is enraged. And that, brothers and sisters, brings you to a covenant. This covenant God talked about, it was not a common one. He says to Phinehas and his generation, I bring my covenant of peace. Why? Because you see, now, okay, um, how, how many of us have listened to the SPV recording? In the SPV recording, the man said, he told uh, whoever he told, he said, give me three people you trust. You see, when you get to this level, you enter the names of those God trusts. So when, like that said, there are bodies God gives to people because he can trust them. God will say, put that man there because he'll be jealous with my jealousy. You can be in a position and you're jealous with the jealousy of your tribes people. You can be in a position and you can be jealous with the jealousy of your popularity. That's why in this time now, don't be moved with a lot of things people do. People do things for all kinds of reasons. Do you know that I can come here and preach to you so you say I'm a good preacher? But I can finish preaching and you're so angry with me. But the one who sent me will say, well done. Because I've not preached the message that I want. I've preached the message that he wants. Even though I didn't want it. But he's honored. It says, because you were jealous. Uh, give me another translation. Another one will say, you were angry with my anger. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen. As a businessman, you can go and do business with a desire to prosper for God's prosperity. Praise the Lord. Okay. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I was so angry with the Israelites that I wanted to kill them. But Phinehas, son of Elias and grandson of Aaron the priest, has saved them from my anger. She did this by showing that he feels strongly just as I do. That is how you know that God is living in you. It's not when you call God to come and fight your enemies for you. The enemies you're calling him to fight are not his enemies. Do you understand? But when you see God's enemies and they have to hold you from going to fight, then you know that's where you are. 
Is someone hearing me? Because these things that are so important, even at this time in our nation, you know, going political now, I don't understand how anybody who is a Christian, okay, this thing I'm saying, take it seriously, and I'm very clear about it. I don't understand how anybody who is a Christian will be supporting a people who hired touts and put on them the gaps of leaders in your faith. If you were blind before, that should open your eyes, that they have no regard for your God. If a Christian did what they did to the Muslim faith, that person will not be in Nigeria today. That person will not be contesting election. That party will not take a part of in this election. But because there are people who are worshipping mammon and think it's God, how can you know that this is holy and somebody hires out and gives them clothes and cap and makes a major declaration, no apologies up till now, and then you're thinking, you're considering him. You have no love for God. You have no jealousy for the things of God. If for nothing, even if the person was St. Uh, Andrew, because it means he despises, that is blasphemy, that is dishonor of the highest order. Anybody who loves the Lord, who is, je- do you know what it means? Your faith, try it now with, with the other side. Nobody can try it. On television, you see the people removing it and smoking their cigarettes and collecting their 20,000 or 55,000. And it means nothing to you. They haven't felt what Fener has his faith. He said he was angry with my anger. Show us a, a message, please. God spoke to Moses. Phinehas, son of Elijah, son of Aaron the priest, has stopped my anger against the people of Israel because he was as zealous for my honor as I myself am. If you want to know, you're in an office and it doesn't concern you, but they're just behaving anyhow. Anger vents up in your heart because they're dishonoring God. So why should they be doing that? That is the spirit of Christ in you, not because of you. Are you getting me? Now, what those things do is that they engineer demonstration of power. Because that is the body that when you go down and pray, the Spirit of God will say, we found a man we can use there. We found somebody we can lay the ark of God in that environment for. When you sense that, you say, no, this is not good. This is dishonorable to my God. Ah, no, look at the way they're treating these poor people. God will see your heart. God will see your passion and will empower you so you arise as a deliverer in that environment what happened with david what happened with david what happened with david he was jealous for god's honor he said who is this uncircumcised philistine that he should defy the armies of the living god no prophecy said david will kill goliath do you know that nobody no prophet told him he had not rehearsed it he killed a lion, he killed a bear. But he had never fought somebody who was a fighter. Two different things. The lion and bear as beastly and as they are. They're animals. But to kill a giant, he had never done it before. But all of a sudden, he said, I can't stand this. Child of God, that is when you know God is living in you. When the things that God sees, and you know that this, you know, infuriates God, when they infuriate you, when they make you to take a stand, when they make you to make a declaration, begin to know that something is about to happen. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we see this and we see what, you know, that abide in me and I in you. You and I, uh, uh, the Bible says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit 
who is given to us. The Spirit of God is dwelling in me. So, in as much as I pray to God, who our Father which are in heaven, in another sense also, I'm a temple complete on my own. So, the choices I make, the decisions I make, that's why, you know, it was last October, if you remember, anybody can listen to that message. Last October that God spoke to us here, that the problem with Nigeria is that I can't divide. The people who are light, some of them are supporting darkness, some of them are supporting light. That's where we are. That's part of our problem. But you know what? This time they will so fail. Because now God made me to understand the issue that not confused is mammon. Okay? We cannot as a nation be where we are. God has made clear to us this is the path to go. We can't say we don't know what to do. No, anybody saying that is not being true to himself. Like that said, don't vote a person. Vote principles. Vote what? Don't look at a person. Just look for integrity, righteousness, humility. Just look at those things. And see where, where do you think God is. And where you find God is. Better be where God is. Praise the Lord. Because he's God of gods and Lord of lords. He can accomplish anything with you or without you. But when it's with you on that side, it's more beneficial to you. Okay? So these things translate not just on that level now. Even in private levels. Like what I realize now, it's almost becoming, I don't know why God shows me some things. Yesterday, a channel we don't normally watch. Just briefly as I was watching it, they asked a popular gospel musician that you all know. Who does he look up to in music? Role models, thank you sir. Role models in music. This person has done collabo with some musicians. He mentioned four or five. The person he did collabo was the last, the only gospel musician. You know the first one he mentioned? Jay-Z. He's a gospel musician. They asked him another one, as though that one were not enough for me. They asked him another one, if you had a birthday party or something, who will you invite? You know the first person he mentioned? Beyonce. I'm telling you. We sing the songs here. I don't sing, so it won't be as if I'm competing with him. In fact, if I competed with him, it would be marvelous if you supported me. <laughs> Do you understand? But when I hear such things, I just realize people don't know this kingdom. God is jealous. He can't bless you and put you in a ministry. You know, there are some other things he said that my eyes just kept opening until I had to tap my wife that was, you know, trying to sleep. I said, listen to what this person is saying. I said, how can you say that? You're a Christian. How can you say that? There are things you don't joke with it. I put a call to somebody recently, and the person said, The best pastor. It, I lost my cool for some time. Didn't know what to say. How do you say that? Where are they measuring pastors? I know he was just trying, you know how people speak. But you see, those things, when you have the spirit of Christ in me, in, in you, sorry, it makes him uncomfortable. So you realize that you're no longer yourself. That's all I'm trying to say. When you believe this God, all your life, it wrecks your life and it makes your life. Because you're no longer you. The same way those who are on the other side, they're no longer themselves. When they behave, sometimes you have to wonder, ah, is it this person I know that is talking like? Something has eaten them. The same way our Lord Jesus Christ says, zeal for my father's house as well. When it takes you over, you're unexplainable. And that's where I think God wants us to, you know, enter into 2023 with. Where we are consumed with zeal for the father. You know why? Because what he's going to do now, I bet you, okay, God is enlisting men and women in this time. He's enlisting in business, he's enlisting in the, you know, he's enlisting in every area. There are things that he's going to put to your face and watch your reaction. 
watch your reaction and see how are you going to react are you going to take it ah this person insulted me i respond or you just say insulted me don't worry there's nothing to it but when it touches god you raise your voice ah so you can raise your voice why did he raise his voice he said because this touched the honor of god he said that's my man bring him here for me let's rise on our feet let's tell him you can use anyone use me lord Phinehas was found Phinehas was not enough moses was the big deal there oh, so, uh, sorry uh, um joshua but at that point Phinehas connected with god and said i'm not going to stand here and just say what is happening there what is it? he took a javelin and ran and said, this is what God will do. And when he did that, God picked him out. And said, this man, <laughs> he has struck a chord in me. I commit myself. I make a covenant. I pledge myself to you. Tonight, I want you to offer your life to the Lord. I want you to tell the Lord, in this year, this is what I come to say. I believe in you. Concerning finances, Lord, these hands prospered. You will see me bring it. I will honor you. God is watching. God has seen your response in the little things. I made a statement on Sunday, very important. Please don't make us talk about this money. It's not much money. Let's not keep talking about it. The church needs. We've been managing. A lot of the equipments we have here have outused, you know, they have outlasted their lifespan many years ago. Okay, but we don't want to do this thing. But God will find men and women who say the church should not mention that. Let's continue what we're doing. And when he finds you, he will open doors. The same way, uncommon anointing in the place of work. You're in that office and people are just behaving anyhow. God will give you such a grace and wisdom. Because he knows that his honor is safe in your hands. His glory is safe in your hands. He knows that you will be an instrument of praise. He knows that if you're there, his glory is secured. Lord, here I am. Here I am. In the family, Lord, I say this and this always happens. But God has found a person who will eat shit, who will allow himself to become foot match, foot match, sorry, so that the honor of God will be glorified in the institution of marriage. It's not about me anymore. It's that my God must be honored. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. We said some time ago, it's beyond what my husband did or what my wife did. It's beyond all of that. I'm a Christian and I represent the kingdom here. And when God says that, he knows how to give beauty for ashes. He knows how to restore the years that the Kaka woman. He knows how to bring joy. He knows how to wipe away tears. He knows. You're in a situation and people are looking at you and thinking they want to pity you. You tell them by revelation that you're not a candidate for pity. You're a vessel of the Lord. You're a handmaiden of the Lord. They don't look at you every time and think lack of husband. When they look at you, they see the glory of the Lord. Because this one is sold out to the kingdom. Handmaiden of Jesus. You're not somebody that they look at and say, ah, if only this happened. No! You're honoring him. You're glorifying him. You're a vessel filled with heart for the Lord. Filled, satisfied with the joy of the Lord. You know, empowered with zeal for the kingdom of the Lord. Not sitting about, pitying yourself, you know, looking, ah, is it today? Is it tomorrow that God will do it? No, God is doing something. Dad talked on Sunday about suffering for righteousness sake. Do you know that when they beat the disciples, when they got back, they didn't start crying. <laughs> when they got back, they say, you know what? They beat me on the stead of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
They didn't beat them because they were thieves. They didn't beat them because they were robbers. They beat them because of Jesus. They said, so I've become so identified with Jesus that the stripes that should be on his back is put on me. They said, hallelujah. The same way, you may not have a job, sir, but you're not jobless because you're lazy. You're not jobless because you're stupid. You're jobless because of Jesus. You glorify him. You're not married, not because you're sleeping around, but because you're honoring God. You glorify him. That is what it means. You are consumed. If God is happy, you're happy. If the kingdom is happy, you're happy. If the kingdom is suffering, you're suffering. It doesn't matter your immediate circumstance. You are a believer. You and God have been intertwined. Abide in me and I in you. Together, I and Christ are one. I have no victory where Christ has no victory. And I suffer no defeat where Christ suffers no defeat. Ah, you're this, you're that, you're stupid, you're this. Well, at least you haven't said I denied Christ or I misrepresented the kingdom. So it's okay. Ah, you're a failure. You're not as rich as you should be. You're not as many as you should be. You're not as popular as you should be. Once Christ is not dishonored, I don't have a problem. I just don't have a problem. Because he is my Lord. He's my joy. He's everything to me. Lord, I offer my life to you lord i bring myself to you today tell the lord i in you that's what he said and you in me that's what i want to be you've been listening to a message by pastor ikina keke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.